Hey, Megan. Hey, Nicholas. So what did we talk about today? Today, we had Travis from Curiosities Vintage on. Yeah, we talked about creating an experience for your customer. We talked about marketing and the many different ways that it can help a brick and mortar. And we talked about how to connect with your community. All that and more on another exciting episode of the Refreshing Edge podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to the Refreshing Edge podcast, hosted by Megan and Nicholas DeSalvo, about what businesses go through when branding, developing creative, and marketing their business in an ever-changing digital climate. It's also about leadership, company culture, building community, working with your spouse, and whatever we feel is important to share with you today. You might know Megan as an amazing wife, incredible mother, thespian, entrepreneur, co-owner, and creator of opportunities at Edge One Media, and volunteer for every nonprofit organization that exists in Portland and maybe beyond. You might know Nicholas for his love of coffee, tennis, watches, video games, and all things Portland. I'm Travis Diskin, the proprietor of Curiosity's Vintage Mall, which is a community of 60 plus dealers in uh, downtown Tiger now. Started in Beaverton, but um, we're run out on a rail as the old terminology goes, and found an even better home in downtown Tigard. And so what I do for my business is that I essentially act as the ringleader of a 60 ring circus of dealers and sellers of antique and used items who rent space from curiosities and put their things and curate their spaces with the things that are interesting and important to them. And I handle all their transactions and all of the nitty gritty of managing a uh, top-notch retail um, establishment. And they just come in and collect their checks for all the stuff I sold last month. Because we also do take a commission on sale. So that's the business model. Mm -hmm. It's such a unique uh, model. I I guess my question is, how, how did that first come to be? Uh, well, the model exists uh, and has existed for a long time in, in the classic antique mall. And that would be like where sometimes in these small little towns like Aurora or Coburg or, you know, used to be, uh, you know, downtown Tigard had quite a few or Mobile Village. You know, people would just find cheap rent and they would get a bunch of people together and they would open up a place because they all, you know, loved antiques and they wanted to sell them. And maybe they weren't great business people, but they loved their antiques and they attracted other people who loved antiques and old things and became like a little district. And that model was almost entirely wiped out by eBay um, for numerous reasons why eBay uh, wiped out a lot of those businesses. Um, uh, But like any change in a market, the weakest models would be the first ones to fall. And so there were, there were problems in the model of the old school antique mall. I was in a mall that was still hanging on in uh, 2012 or so as I was trying to move a bunch of toys and games and you know 80s stuff that I'd collected because I wanted to open my own store, my own toy store, game store in the future. But I'd just been hanging on to this stuff forever. So I'm like, I'm just gonna get in there. I'm gonna start selling the stuff, start doing really well. 
finally, you know, the Reaper hit that one uh, and they closed. But I just said in, with my background in retail marketing and, uh, you know, and I've run a lot of different establishments over the year, I, I just said, you know what, this model could work if you just, instead of just focusing on, you know, all the old stuff, you know, in, you know, this is a great old mahogany table, you focused on the shopping experience and you made, you put the customers first instead of the merchandise first. And, you know, that's was instinctual more than like, I thought this all out and wrote it out in an outline. Um, but I had enough resources left over from a political campaign that I was uh, managing that I just said, you know what, I'm going to jump into this and I'm going to do it. What's the worst that can happen? And, um, you know, we're uh, eight years later now and, you know, uh, doing doing pretty well, you know, despite all the challenges that came along, including having to move our business uh, with, under 60 days notice, you know, move essentially um, 8,000 square feet of merchandise and people and businesses uh, with almost no notice. And, uh, and then most recently the pandemic. Well, yeah, you know, going back to what you said about your business model, you know, I think one of the things that you really nailed is the presentation piece. You know, when you, when you walk into curiosities, it has a very distinct feel and it's a really kind of a, it's a cool experience to go through everybody's um, different section and discover, you know, a new thing here or a new thing there. And something that was really, you know, from all of the other antique malls that I've ever been in, it's just like a big conglomeration of stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you can, you can browse through it, but in your space, everything is very carefully curated. It looks like, and there's a big presentation component behind going through each of the, you know, each of the different vendors. Yeah. You want me to speak to that? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, a big part of the business is treating it like a business, which is if you, if you're selling, if you're a, a grocery store, you review what works and what doesn't. And the things that aren't earning you, you know, results, you really have to make tough decisions and, and move that along. And uh, so that's a, a big part of any business. And it's one that's the toughest part when your business is oftentimes about relationships. You know, I have relationships with all these people, but if they, if somebody's model is just not working, if they're product is not really satisfying the customer's needs and probably not their business needs, then you got to treat it like a business and say, you know, here's what we review. We look at what it, you know, what's working, what isn't. And then, you know, if they can make those changes, um, then we would hope to see success. And if not, then, you know, we uh, find a new candidate for that space. That sounds more brutal than it is, but a lot of people come into it, think, you know, this is like a hobby, right? I'm retired. I just want to, I've got grandma's old plate collection and I'm going to put it up there for sale. But a lot of it is, you know, I make decisions on who comes in based on what need they're going to satisfy. And, and that's part of my job is to understand, you know, if um, we don't have enough uh, vintage clothing, then I need to find a dealer that's selling vintage clothing. If we don't have enough cool 1970s and 80s action figures, then it's my job to go find that person that can provide that. And um, that's how I keep the space active and vital. You know, if I say this all the time, if a customer walks in and it looks the exact same as the last time they walked in, 
then they're going to make a decision that's like, do I really need to come down here again next week? Do I need to come down here two weeks from now? Or can I just wait a month or so? But if they're like, oh my God, everything's different again, um, then they've got to, there's a sense of urgency to come back and check out all the new stuff. Could you tell me a little bit about your visual aesthetic or perhaps, you know, like your brand components? What does it mean to be curiosities? What does it mean to you? What kind of feeling are you trying to evoke in people when they walk through the door? First and foremost, there, if, as you've both said, you've been to other antique malls, there are certain things that you don't want to convey. So let's start with that list first. And that is the traditional, you walk in, you almost smell the store before you see it, which is a musty old stuff kind of feel, you know, uh, you smell ancient parchment and, you know, wet upholstery and pets, you know, and what you want to do is create an environment where people walk in and they feel um, energized because what a lot of malls can also feel like is overwhelming and you walk in and you just get, oh my God, all this stuff. I don't even know where to start. Now that is kind of our store, but we have, you know, I have certain rules that like above eight feet, we do not merchandise, even though our, our ceilings are, you know, 30 feet tall. So people are like, well, you should put up signs. You should put up stuff. I'm like, people need a, um, you know, a refuge, a visual refuge, a place where they can feel like they're not, everything isn't collapsing in on them. So visually that's very important, but the parts that people don't really take into account as much are, like I said, the smell and we're neutral, you know, um, and the sounds. And that is, you've got to have fun music playing. People want, people comment all the time on our playlists and all, you know, I give myself the pat on the back for creating some cool playlists, you know, everything from like um, my what's going on playlist, which is a lot of like 70s funk and, you know, activism music to my MTV uh, um, and that's spelled E-M-T-Y-V, which is like 80s, you know, uh, video music and people yeah. just kind of rock out to different things. I've got 10 different playlists. I rotate them through. So people just always find, you know, some reason to kind of tap their feet and keep moving. And that gives people the energy to get through 9,000 square feet uh, of crammed space merchandise. You know, there's a lot of stuff in there. And, you know, another part of it is I'm very uh, thoughtful about how I place dealers. So I don't have, you know, a person who's all toys right next to another person who's all toys next to another person who's like toys and ephemera. Mm -hmm. You know, I try to space it out. So I've got one person that's very boho chic you know, with, uh, with a lot of uh, maybe, um, you know, gold and textiles and kind of Hollywood Regency. And then the person next to them, I'll do straight up teak and mid-century, you know, and then the person next to them specializes in uh, books and posters. And then, so I just break it up that way. So people just are never like, okay, more of the same, more of the same. They go, oh, wow, now I'm in a new decade. And, oh, I can totally get the personality of the person whose space this is. Mm -hmm. And and I think it's very thoughtful how you have it laid out and you almost lose sense and track of time because, uh, because it is so unique and fun uh, and um, you, you never know what you're going to find around the next corner. Yeah, I hear that a lot too. Time is a very uh, fungible commodity in my store that people just really don't 
understand how long they've been there or, you know, um, um, how long they want to be, you know, they, oh, we did not plan to be here this long, uh, you know, and now we need to come back again. <clears throat> yes, yeah, so how much, uh, how much suggestion or help do you give individual vendors on their merchandising? Merchandising is, um, so let me, let me put it this way. I not only attract people with a diverse, um, uh, you know, based on the diversity of product and what they bring in, but also skill levels. And so the, I like to mix it up so that I not only have like the seasoned grizzled veterans of the eBay days, you know, the go-go nineties. Um, and, um, people have been doing this for you know decades but then i like to have people who are brand new to it because they add something new a lot of people who come in that have never sold before i've got dealers who are 19 um who just uh i bring them in i start them in a cabinet you know a small 75 dollar cabinet and you know they're doing 500 600 a month out of that cabinet and boy, that, that was a great, you know, test of concept there. And they bring a different look and a style that other people kind of an Instagram, like, you know, framed look to their space that maybe the grizzled vets don't have the inclination to do, but then they see that it's working for other people. So then they take, everybody kind of takes the best of everybody else. So the more skill sets, the more experiences I bring in, the better it is for the total community. And that includes merchandising. The main thing I do with merchandising when I talk to customers, like let's say a dealer's not doing so hot, um, I will have my top dealers fill out a review of their space. And merchandising is one of the components, say, how is this working? Do you like their product? Is it merchandise well? Does it look attractive? Um, how is the lighting in the space? And the number one thing I just you know, I'm an evangelist for proper lighting. Um, and if people do not have proper lighting in their spaces, they look dead and dull and they will not sell their product. You lose, you know, half of your retail space in corners that are dark. So you need to do something to plan for that. So that's, you know, I, I give a lot of thought to that because of, you know, my background in visual merchandising as well. How have you, um, utilized social media specifically in this time um, to promote uh, your, your vendors and, and your shop? Well, I'm, I'm not an expert on it, but I see the value of it. And um, it's, it's a tough thing because a lot of people, um, you know, of a certain age just cannot keep up with the trends of social media, right? Because as soon as I'd figured out Facebook, uh, Instagram came along and the car my target demographic is over on Instagram. And now we're seeing like TikTok and other, you know, platforms show up and I just can't keep up. Like I, at a certain point I was like, Instagram, how's this work? You know, what's a, you know, that's a pound sign. Um, how's that <laughs> going to do anything? Um, how many pounds is that? Um, uh, but you know, so I, I paid somebody to help me figure that out and to help me get started down the right track. And um, and then I took it over. And now I wish I, you know, again, had somebody that could manage that because of time constraints. Um, but um, it's it's incredibly valuable and it was incredibly valuable through, um, you know, especially during our travails where we had to move our business. We use social media to 
to activate our core, you know, uh, our base, you know, to yeah. use political terms, we activated our base and they got in the face of Beaverton and they got us some, you know, some, you know, some resources from the city because of how we were able to activate people for that. And then when we got, you know, we became a, you know, cause celeb where people are like, oh, poor curiosities, we need to support them. And they came out as soon as we reopened, they showed up in huge numbers to support us. Uh, our reopening day was the busiest day we'd ever had to date, you know, and that's just like one day. Um, and so social media did all of that. Um, and, you know, so as I've transitioned into mostly using Instagram and basically cloning all those posts into Facebook, because I actually don't like the company very much, uh, but I understand the value of the tool. Um, I, um, you know, I think I have an Instagram sensibility now as far as how to uh, frame photos, how to, you know, uh, set up my profile so that it doesn't look too busy. I'm very thoughtful about like, okay, this, this picture I'm doing that I'm leading with is very busy. So the next one needs to be very simple. I don't fill up ones that have a lot of text with, you know, right back and forth to each other. So I try and space them out. Like right now we're doing a promotion for this for Mother's Day on the Saturday before um, we're doing it with my home nest plants, the home plant store uh, where, you know, our dealers are putting up planters like vintage planters and they get 15% off that. And home nest is, selling the plants and then we'll put them together in a nice little pot and with a nice little wrapped tray to give to dear old mom. And, um, and uh, so I've got some graphics along with that, but I won't spam it out there. You know, I won't put in one graphic and then, you know, another one and another one, and another one. I want to space that out with interesting things. Um, so I'm very thoughtful about what I post and when I post it. And I try to really be, because we are, you know, I don't know how many 20 decades worth of merchandise, you know, I try to appeal to a lot of different people with it. So I will, you know, something that's very, you know, Star Wars action figures in this frame, and then a, a great old mid-century console table in the next one. And then the one after that would be cast iron cookware. And then just try to make it so that everybody can find some reason to take a look and see what, what we have to offer. Yeah, I, I think you've done an excellent job at it. And I also, you know, your your store was one of the ones where I I referenced it to other clients I worked with to say, you know, they're doing it right. Go look at how they're creating a community around their brand online, because I really think, um, you know, the signage that you had for your grand opening. And then anytime you have an event at your location, you always have signage that tells people how to utilize social media to help you. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it, you know, I think that that has really, um, shown to be fruitful for you. And, and so I, I would imagine that it has continued on um, through that through this time. Yeah, it has. Um, it's been tough to convert social media interest into like, if I were doing online sales, then it would be, I would put more resources into the social media component. But because we don't, it's more of a traffic. I have to look at it as something that, piques people's interest, gets them curious and drives them to the store, which is a different, a different way to use social media. It's uh, a little bit more nuanced than just like, here it is $32. Let me know, you know, DM me, uh, than to say, you know, 
what about this thing? Isn't that cute? It's, you may have to come down and get it right away. It may not be there when you get here, you know, and check out all <laughs> the other stuff too. Um, so that's, that's really uh, a little bit more nuanced. And, you know, I wish I had, you know, I was my full-time job to be my social media manager, but it's like, I have to just squeeze that into the off hours when I'm not doing something else. Um, so I'll run through the store, take a bunch of pictures for whatever reason, it must be my magic camera. Half the things I take pictures of will sell within the next six hours. And so then I'm like, oh, that one's already gone. I can't use that one. I got to use this ceramic squirrel now. And, uh, you know, uh, but that's just kind of, uh, you know, the case in point when something has energy on it, people are gravitated towards it. Yeah. Yeah. If you see something that looks interesting to you, it probably looks interesting to other people as well. Yeah, so absolutely. It doesn't last as long. You're saying so, it's not my magic sales ability to put it. absolutely is. That's it. It's your magic camera. Out. Absolutely. 100%. Your okay, camera is one of the, two. the universe, which <laughs> yeah. creates sales. <laughs> so, um, so you do all this stuff on social media. What other kinds of things do you do for marketing to get people in the door? Um, so the main thing, and if I had, you know, one piece of advice to give to retailers or any customer, any business that has customers <clears throat> that is, you know, brick and mortar, it is that you have to create a sense of urgency and a reason for people to come and come to your store. And the idea that you can just say, well, I got a bunch of cool stuff. Why aren't they showing up? Isn't good enough. In, with, in today's market, and when people are ever more busy, they're running their own, you know, full-time jobs and their own gigs on the side and, and doing other stuff like that. So their time is ever more valuable and they're spending a lot of it online where there's people who are retailing online, you know, we don't know who they are and we know, you know, and they pop up in Instagram feeds all the time. So that said, you have to give people something more and it has to be an experience. It has to be a sense of urgency. You know, that's what sales are. You know, when you do a sale in your store, it is, you know, to create, give people a sense of, you know, the, the FOMO is real. People have a sense like, if I don't get down there, I'm going to miss out on this thing. And so you've got to create opportunities like that. And that is events, which have been very tough to do right now. Um, that is, you know, giveaways or other sorts of um, reasons to get people to walk in your door. And you, when they walk in, you have to make them feel comfortable and uh, appreciated and um, like this is a good use of their time, their free time, because it's, it's fleeting. Um, so, uh, so other than social media, I use social media to com communicate special events like the Mother's Day thing we're doing. Mm -hmm. um, we have done outdoor markets or sidewalk sales. Like when we were able to reopen during COVID, we couldn't do a big market in condensed space outside, but I could spread people out on the sidewalks and it creates a visual attractant from the from outside um, where people are like, well, what's going on there? Let's, let's put on the brakes. I did it during the farmer's market. So utilizing other points of attraction, uh, other events and, you know, kind of piggybacking on the heavy lifting that other people are doing, um, participating in community organizations like I do with the Tiger Downtown Alliance to help kind of guide resources and intent to 
help your cause um, because my cause is common cause with the TDA. The more successful I am, the more successful downtown Tigard is going to be. The more people that are going to want to relocate here when they know what's going on. So finding common cause with other people who are, you know, pulling in the same direction is very important. And visually, you know, you've got to switch up. You know, the one thing, you know, uh, used car lots have been around for, uh, you know, forever. And because they figured one thing out, you've got to, you got to change it up. You got to put balloons out one day and you put an A-frame sign out the other. You got to open up the hoods and one day and you put out banners the next. Um, you've got to change the landscape to keep people's attention. Um, that's not only online, but that's also in person. If you have the same sign, if you have a static appearance, you will blend into the background. And that is true you know, for your storefront, as well as for your, you know, your web front. Yeah, I think, you know, so much of advertising is about attracting attention. Mm -hmm. I mean, really, that's it. You're just trying to get mind space so that you can get whatever message you're trying to get out, out. So, you know, you just go down the line, you need attention, then you need people in the door, and then you need to make sales. And so it sounds <clears throat> like you create, um, you've given attention to each step in the buyer's process yeah we try to i mean even just down to every quarter the a-frame signs that i put out which are hand painted because i think that's better than if you've got somebody who's talented enough to paint hand, you know hand paint signs then go for it because it looks better it looks more genuine especially for my product type than um <clears throat> than you know printed banner sure um we change them up. I, you know, I change the color scheme. We change up the look of them all the time. I move them around during the week, you know, so it's not just in the same area. I put it in places where it's like, what, what's that doing there, you know? And it gets attention, you know. I slap some balloons on it on Saturday, and maybe people see that, you know, flying around. <laughs> but just getting attention, you know, is is step one, you know. Yeah. Um, hopefully, my store by the look and people, oh, what's that over there? They may not have time today and they drive by it again. They go, oh, yeah, that curiosity shop. I'm curious about what's in there, but I got to go up to the dry cleaner. By the fourth or fifth time, they're like, they come in and they go, I've been driving by this place a hundred times and, uh, you know, I decided to come in today. So, well, thank you. Welcome in. This is, we're a community. You know, I give them the spiel, let them know what we're all about. And they become a lifetime customer, you know, even, even if it's not, they're not into vintage decor in their house. You know, they're going to come back at Christmas when they don't know what to buy dad, you know, because dad's tough to shop for because he doesn't have any hobbies. Um, so they'll be back. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, one of the things that always strikes me about your current location is the uh, amount of window space that you have and mm -hmm. how you utilize it. I feel like you change up how you utilize that space often. Um, what, what is one of the favorite ways that you've utilized your window space for, for advertising and marketing the business? Well, one thing we did was we just kind of painted um, toppers on each of the windows. So just, just black and white. They just say vintage, Art Nouveau, furniture, just kind of talk about what we are so that people driving by, they get a little bit of a sense. It just kind of like, what's that? They do art, they do, you know, I don't know what's in there, but I'm intrigued to find out. Um, <clears throat> I have a window, I have a corner window, which we change out the displays seasonally. It'll be garden soon. 
um, before that, um, it was all like transparent things. I called it the Wonder Woman, uh, you know, like the invisible jet uh, window where it was like, we had all these uh, plexi uh, tables and desks and stuff like that. It was all vintage, you know, acrylic furniture and lamps and stuff. So it was kind of cool. So we keep that going, but you know, that's really only seen from walking traffic. Um, the main part of what I do though, is to leverage the manpower and the, the resources of my dealers. So when I choose dealer, the, who will go into those window spaces, because all that's rentable space, every, every um, inch that I can reasonably rent out in that building is good for the business, because that's the business model. Um, so windows are all filled with dealers and I make sure that the dealers I put in there are, are ones that are gonna be able to handle and keep their space uh, refreshed enough and change it out. And if they don't, then I, you know, I go say, hey, um, have you thought about changing out your window space? Have you thought about moving this shelf around? You know, why don't you put an etagere up there filled with some colorful glass? That would be really attractive. And, you know, it works. What, um, so you mentioned the Tiger Downtown Alliance, and uh, I have to say that I'm also on the board of the Tiger Downtown Alliance. Disclosure, full disclosure. Full disclosure. Here we are. That's how, uh, that's how we know each other. Yeah. Um, and what is it that you like about Tiger? Um, what I like about our location is the potential, the potential in a lot of ways where where we were before um, in Beaverton, the city of Beaverton had a plan for that space and it was uh, in for that whole area. And it was oftentimes at odds with what my vision was for the growth of my business and for the growth of that area. Turns out <clears throat> sometimes you can't fight city hall and they won. Um, so moving down here, I saw what I saw uh, primarily was potential and a lot of heavy lifting had already been done by organizations like the TDA and the Chamber of Commerce and the city itself to start the process of giving this main street some character, which it was lacking prior to the renovation of the Green Street um, project. Um, and so what I saw was a potential to build communities um, like we have within the store. Within our store, we're all pulling in the same direction. We're not competing against each other. We're, you know, other than like, boy, their display looks really good. I need to step my yeah. game up, you know? Yeah. Um, that's good. That's good uh, competition. It's healthy. Um, it leads to, you know, raising a standard that just makes everybody uh, do better. And I saw that that potential was here as well. Um, I didn't find that many businesses were communicating with each other at all. Um, and that there was not a lot of, um, I don't know. I mean, there was a lot of potential as well. I'll, I'll just bookmark that. And so um, I saw an opportunity for me to get in and put energy into, a, into an engine that could you know, really help my business as well as a community. And that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, it makes a lot of sense from my activist background my background in um, charity events with the, you know, Portland Timbers uh, supporters organizations um, where I raised, you know, I think 
I think the organization I, I um, set up raised uh, in 2020 about $100,000 for charities and just all through selling merchandise patches and silly things, but it all went to good, cha good charities. So anytime I can see an opportunity to put some energy into a machine that will crank out good results, I will always budget that energy for it. And the TDA is definitely, um, you know, really set up to succeed right now. What are some of the challenges that, that uh, you know, downtown places, just business communities in general, what are, what are some of the things that we face right now that you think might be low hanging fruit that we can, we can just bang those out right now? Uh, for the downtown alliance or in anything general? it's just kind of a general question you know like there's a lot of potential mm -hmm. say right yeah how do you turn that potential into product action action yeah. into action i think a big part of it is people need to they need to see a vision they need to be presented with an offer a vision and then you know, and then that goes out into the marketplace of ideas and it, you know, either gains traction or it doesn't. And so um, in a lot of ways, the people who come with the sweat equity get to decide uh, what that vision is. And if, you know, if, if people sign on to it, then great. But a vision is necessary first and foremost, a plan and an idea to execute. And so we're seeing a lot of that right now. And I'm really excited to see where that goes in the future. Um, but I think not just businesses and not just individuals were set back by, you know, COVID, but all kinds of ideas and all kinds of like anything that you had. Like for me, TDA is about my spare time. Did I have much spare time when it came to like scrambling to, to you know, make my business survive through COVID? No, very few of us did. We were all, you know, ABP, always be pivoting, you know, that was the rule of the day. And um, so, so yeah, the TDA really suffered during that because we're just our, everybody's focus is, is on things more immediate, more, more personal. And so now I think if things, if we can get back on track, you know, post COVID, then I think the TDA also will have um, all the energy that it needs to be really successful. Yeah, and I think businesses, uh, specifically businesses with storefronts, were hit heavily, um, you know, through the COVID time. As was, I mean, every everyone has been impacted. Um, but what are you, what are you most optimistic and looking forward to the most in this post-COVID time that that we see ahead? Are we post-COVID? We're not post-COVID. We're going back into lockdown in the next couple of days. Possibly. That's, that's the problem is the it's it's the whole problem had been is not COVID and not politics, but it's been uncertainty. Um, yeah. Uncertainty has been the hobgoblin here, and we still live in a very uncertain time, um, <clears throat> both with COVID and it's re you know it's problems we're having in Oregon right now, but also with. Um, you know, are we going to be facing a recession um, coming out of this? We don't really know what the economic backlash is going to be right now. Um, so yeah, uncertainty, planning for uncertainty is uh, almost impossible. You just scramble and pivot. And um, 
what I'm encouraged by is that at least for my business and for most of the businesses that I work with down here, you know, we're getting through it. And so if we can all get through it, hopefully we can start uh, use things like the TDA and the events that it does to really uh, uh, build that customer base back. I'm, I'm nervous that people have changed their patterns of behavior, that they're going to be, um, I don't want to go out and eat. I'm just going to order, you know, Grubhub or whatever. Yeah. That that becomes more of a trend than people going out and doing things. But um, when it becomes safe again to meet and gather, I'd say it's going to be great for the TDA to continue to push events that bring people into this. I mean, we've got a great canvas to paint upon here now. And um, I just want to see more and more for our downtown core. I want to see more and more of the kind of businesses that make this a vibrant uh, activity space. Absolutely. Um, and I think, I think uh, really in the downtown Tigard specific area, you know, we, we kind of had, are at a halfway point of the revitalization. I really do see that there's a whole other half of the revitalization that's coming ahead. And I think that that's going to drive a lot of new activity and make it a more bustling area um, than, than it already has been. Um, but, but over the last several years, you know, we, we have seen in the events the TDA has done, more and more and more traction of people coming to the area. So, um, so I'm optimistic about, you know, some of the, the upcoming projects and how that's going to impact um, people wanting to be in Tigard. Um, and I think that that'll benefit everyone. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, everything's in place. If we can just keep all of the great businesses, um, the unique businesses that are down here, because we really don't have much in the way of like corporate owned businesses, like national businesses. It's, it's really local, you know, mom and pops, you know, whatever you want to call it, locally owned people who um, run these businesses. And they're the ones that are going to really have worked hard to, to, to weather this and they're going to work hard through a potential recession. I mean, it's going to happen someday. If it's not in the next two or three years, it's going to happen in 10 years. So the more locally owned businesses you have, the stronger your, you know, your resiliency is. And so um, more of that, the better. And the more kind of event-based, I've really pushed hard to get more and more retail down into this area as we start to see uh, certain service type businesses um, move to find cheaper rent or, you know, find downsize or find other opportunities. I like to see more and more retail and more experience-based um, uh, businesses come down here because then you know you can create a, a case for a customer to say even if there's not a farmer's market going on um, to say come on down here walk through 20 stores get your ice cream get a slice of pizza get your sandwich you know start yeah. with coffee at symposium and then walk over you know and check out these retailers and then go get a sandwich at beach hut and then you mm -hmm. know get a drink over at senate and play some board games or it's trivia night you know just do those kinds of things to keep people active down here all day. So it becomes a destination for, I mean, we're not the beach and we're not Mount Hood, but it's something to do if you're, if you don't want to go out of town is to come hang out in Tigard and check out all the quirky fun shops. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I didn't mean to make this a TDA focused podcast, but, <laughs> uh, but what it does highlight to me, you know, you said that there's not a lot of corporate you know, or big conglomerate kind of businesses downtown, but, 
there are a lot of locally owned businesses and that underscores the importance of being connected with your community because in difficult times, your community will be connected to you and help raise you up when you need some help. And so that's why, you know, I, the, one of our core tenets of our business is to connect with the community and in hard times, they'll, they'll help you in the ways that you have helped them um, throughout the years. Absolutely. Yeah. And making those connections with uh, people really helps, you know, get the results you want to see. Um, it's, um, you know, without people, you know, you get, you get a, a, a real nasty customer and someday and you're just like, oh, these damn customers, you know, but it's like, <laughs> they're the reason I, you know, we're there, right? Yeah. You know, so you've got to, you know, you've got to create, um, you know, a, a great environment for people and you want to, you know, everyone to have a positive experience. And the more that you, you know, talk to your community and you, they understand that you're part of the community, not just there, you know, to grab their hard-earned lucre, um, the better off you'll be long-term. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think, you know, what, what we're talking about here in Tigard is not unique to Tigard necessarily. You know, I think, I think main streets in general have a lot more smaller, you know, businesses as far as mom and pop shops go, things of that nature. And, and I think that a lot of them are revitalizing. A lot of them are going through, you know, redefining who they are and what they, what they're about. You know, it used to be that you could go down a main street and have a candy store and, you know, have kind of the, the different places that you would go for the things that you need to entertain yourself um, throughout your day. Uh, you know, it would be the place that the kids rode their bike and, and were able to go shopping and, and things of that nature. And I think that that's something that we're attempting to get back to in a new way. And I, um, I'm very excited about it here in Tigard, but I also think, you know, we can be excited about it um, nationwide. Yeah, the, um, <clears throat> it's interesting, the, the flux of, in retail, especially where you saw downtown cores suffer because of the movement to malls. And now you see the malls are suffering. Malls are closing all over because mm -hmm. their business model relied upon getting these big ticket retailers, you know, sometimes big box retailers, sometimes small box, but still, you know, you just own a series of malls and you just say, hey, Gap, open up in each of ours, you know, and now these places are closing or they're, you know, suffering from online. So um, it gives the smaller businesses that have a differentiating factor, like a cool environment, things you can't find anywhere else, local expertise, and just being part of the community, um, a chance to, uh, you know, a chance again. And people are seeing the value of that because, um, you know, the, the online experience is very similar to the, the mall experience. And so you can just go ahead and shop at one or the other. And then when you want to go down and talk about the guy, you know, talk to the guy who's got 40 years of, of experience fixing shoes, you know, and can I save this shoe or do I, you know, go buy a new one? You know, you've got the guy in your downtown core that can do that for you. Um, and, uh, or find that unique gift that you can't, you know, where you can spend a hundred hours online trying to find something or just walk through my store and go, oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know, so. Well, yeah, what I think is exciting to me is seeing how, um, you know, there's a major disruption in the internet that, you know, caused a big market shift with small businesses. Yeah. And, you know, what the aftermath of that is, it, 
is, you know, how are you going to continue or um, continue doing business in the world where the internet exists, where a pandemic has kept everyone inside? How do you create an, ex an experience that people can have as a small company um, in an environment where those things, the internet is there and, you know, you can't, you know, travel experiences are limited. And uh, it seems to be that the revitalization of main streets is one of the cool things that could come out of this. Yeah, the, the tough thing is that the tools that are um, not necessary, but the tools that the small business owner needs like social media mm -hmm. is oftentimes the, so the, if you've been in business for a while, you just go, I ain't got time to figure that out. Either people will come or they won't, you know, and mm -hmm. when they should really, if they could be introduced to an easy way to get access to those tools that make sense for them, um, then they might see the results. Um, it's one of the things I mean, it's tough with any marketing, like I say, old school marketing, um, 101, I'm going to put an ad in the old local times paper, you know, mm. how do you prove a return on investment on that? How do you, how do you prove a, an ROI on a radio ad? You, you know, these are a television ad. You were just told that these are what you need to do. It's all about brand awareness, you know, Yeah. but in a lot of ways, you know, so, I mean, I guess couponing and stuff, you can find ways to, to track ROI based on that. Um, but if your investment, you know, your investment in building your social media is in a lot of ways, very small, maybe you spend a little money to get some expertise from, you know, from the experts, and then you go out and on your own and get a little bit of counsel along the way that you know it's a, something you can do in your downtime as a small business owner when you're not at the counter helping customers making sure the experience is good um and get a lot of results out of it but there's just a barrier to entry for a lot of old timers and um and they just need to kind of wake up to the that those tools are are valuable to them and what the value of those tools are and how you can see immediate results you know it's you get immediate results when I when I post up a picture of a, you know, uh, a satay and we get a call at the store 15 minutes later. Is that still there? How much is it? I need it. What are the dimensions? You know, that's immediate results. Um, um, and what did I pay for to put that up? Well, I mean, you can amortize what I put into it for different ads over the, you know, for paid advertising within Instagram over the years and the initial consult that got me started in it. Um, but really, I mean, all it cost me was 15 minutes of time in, in the end. Right. And, you know, um, that's totally worth it. Well, and I call those exciting moments, you know, those are the exciting moments when you have an immediate reaction to a post, um, something of that. But also I think that social media can be a long game. It can be, a, you know, an awareness uh, you know, we had a client this week who was approached at the park. Uh, she was playing with her kids and someone came up and said, oh my goodness, you're the one who sells soap on Instagram. I've seen your, I've seen you post there. And sure enough, she was like, yeah, I am. <laughs> and, no. you know, it was just a very cool experience where, wow, you know, people in my community are getting to know who I am, what my story is and what I, what I'm doing. Um, and they're remembering me. And I think that that's, that's something I, I would say, curiosity is this kind of a masterclass in being memorable. 
um, you're, you're going to remember the experience you have there. You're going to remember um, what it is that you're posting uh, because mm-hmm. you're very thoughtful about all of it. So I, I think you're doing a great job at it all. Well, I appreciate that. Um, it took me a while to figure out the tools of Instagram, but it's, it's oftentimes fun to do. It's usually fun. And sometimes I'm just, then I just go, Oh, I got to post some things today. I would rather just fool around, you know, (laughs) you know, you got to do it. You got to keep things fresh and keep things interesting. You know, what's also nice for me is that I have created a bit of a content engine in that I, I really, push my dealers to create their own sub brands and yeah. they um, not everybody has this tool available to them, but <clears throat> by getting my dealers to post things then I can immediately repost to them. And, you know, especially in stories and keep that alive, you know, keep that fresh. Um, and so they get the expo- the extra exposure of their items on within our feed, which is, you know, quite a few followers now, good, good amount of followers for a local business and you know i get something you know fresh content so it's always popping up in people's uh feed and that works really well for me too yeah that's great yeah. it's a win-win well i think you know um what it used to be like one of the markers of success is just real um significant specialization you know you think about the the person who's been doing the same thing for years and years and years and years and years and with the tools that are available today um maybe the marker for success going forward is the ability to be agile and how you can use them. And it's maybe not so much special specialization, but being able to pivot or, you know, change directions in ways that people who have specialized in one thing for so long have difficulty doing because right now, you know, there are, there is the internet, which provided a significant disruption to retailers, but it also provides tools that, that if you can harness them, you know, there have never been tools like there are available to individuals today. Yeah. Yeah. It also, you know, the important thing you have to do is um, break through the noise. Of, I mean, you have to break through the noise of any kind of advertising you're going to do, right? <clears throat> um, how are you, you back in the day? How did you make your... Um, your radio or your TV ad more memorable as the local stereo star. You a crazy dude, dude with, you know, got new stereos, you know, and you had to, you know, do something to make it crazy. You're Tom Peterson, give him free haircuts, you know, whatever it was. Um, You, you did that to try and break through the noise. Now so much, you can't really just be obnoxious and noisy, but you have, I mean, you can, that might be your brand, but you have to, you know, you have to give people something. You got to give them something, you know, some reason to, to follow you, to check you out, to be, to align with, you know, align themselves with what you present. And that's what it takes is, you know, creating a comfortable zone. And sometimes it is, Ooh, that's something that's really interesting. Something I can share with other people, but you know, you have to give if you want to get and you, whatever you give, um, you know, it doesn't have to cost you a lot, but it can, you know, you just have to basically share, you know, if it's sharing your story, it's sharing your ideas, it's sharing um, um, some photos, whatever it is, uh, that's the that's the economy we're looking at uh, in the future, in the present and the future is going to be even more so. 
Um, and you have to have, you know, good conscience about things. Um, otherwise you're going to find this, the millennials are not going to identify with your brand if you don't and ignore the millennials at your own risk, because whoever the current, you know, whoever the current, uh, spenders of disposable income are, are the ones that are sending, setting the trends that even the older people will follow. Um, so you've got to always keep your eye on the moving target of who has the disposable income. Yeah, don't ignore us. We'll get angry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and listen to what they're listening to and listen to what speaks to them. You know, you part of our, um, part of our, I mean, brand, when you say brand, brand sometimes feels like, you know, that we're, you know, a bunch of pitch masters in the, you know, madmen in the office, like, okay, what are we doing here? And you're throwing things up and like, this is what we are. And no, but I mean, part of our brand, part of our identity is, is, you know, rejuvenation, reusing, re, you know, recycling, because the things we sell, we, you know, didn't end up in a landfill. Instead, they're getting reused. We're, we identify quality, you know, good things, and we bring them back to the market. Um, and, so a lot of people value that more than they ever did for its own, you know, a lot of people used to have a stigma attached to, you know, I'm not going to wear an old shirt that somebody used to sweat in, but now people go, that's something that was quality then. It's not, you know, fast fashion that I'm going to throw away after wearing three times because it faded out. If that thing's already survived 50 years, you know, mm -hmm. um, it's going to survive you, you know, the, the length of your use. And it's pretty damn cool. Nobody else has one be it a Pendleton shirt or, you know, a, an old denim, you know, a Levi's jacket or something. So people are, are um, more than ever keeping their image defining things closer to them and, you know, presenting them um, in their own, you know, uh, profiles and, and, and trying to find things that make them unique and, and differentiating. Yeah, there's many, many conversations that have been had uh, in our circle of friends about all the things we wish we would have kept a hold of um, <laughs> from our from our 80s, 90s timeframes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, if, they, if they had a, instead of a metal detector, a plastic detector, we could probably pull about 20 pounds of Star Wars figures out of my parents' backyard. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> because they're, I don't know, I was... Not good. You're not going to find a mint and package Boba Fett in my in my past. Uh, <laughs> they, were, they were treated roughly. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, Travis, I really appreciate the time you have given us this morning and uh, and your insight into you know what it takes to uh, run a business in today's climate. How do we find out more about you? Well, we do have a website, and that's curiositiesvintage.com. And uh, if you're going to follow us on one social media platform, Instagram is the best one. Again, Curiosities Vintage. And we're on Facebook too, which I tend to not spend a lot of personal time on because it is a toxic wasteland. But um, <clears throat> if you like to get your follow up, your, your posts there, everything I post shows up there as well. And so you can check out those posts on that, um, that vector as well. Awesome. Well, it's great. You know, I think uh, like there's just a lot of valuable insight into how to create an experience for a customer and like, you know, just the customer journey in general, how you discover you, how people feel when they walk through the door, how you get them to come back. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that 
kind of stuff is really important and something that um, a lot of small business owners have a hard time figuring out, especially yeah. at the start. The, my key, um, I have a lot of experience, like I've run movie theaters and video stores and video marketing and video game marketing and um, political campaign work, which is marketing. Um, mm -hmm. Don't let them tell you anything different. It's just marketing, it's advertising. Um, but my chief component for success in business has been my curiosity. And so um, my ability to go look at something and say, here's a business that's spending millions of dollars on ideas. Why did they, why did they make this decision? And then I think about it and I think about why are they playing this music? Why are they putting that on the wall? Did they really give thought to it? You know, and then I look into it. And a lot of people just, you know, maybe they don't have the time, maybe they're a specialist in what they want to do and they don't really think about those things, but it's the chief reason why the story is what it is, is because I've thought about all those little things. I think about how we need to, you know, vacuum that front mat every day. Cause if somebody walks in and sees dust bunnies, they're gonna, you know, go, mm, well, that's, you know, may not go, they may not go, there's a dust bunny there. That's disgusting. This store is a mess, but it's the cumulative effect of every little tiny, you know, notion. So I don't know, curiosity and the ability to go into places and see why what's working, what isn't, you know, is what keeps me up uh, at night and probably makes me um, the nemesis of a lot of other businesses when I write reviews about them or I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree though. I, I mean, so I will never forget, I was visiting Silverton and I went through a store and I went through their records and I'm, I'm allergic to cats and, oh. um, and it was an antique store and I went through their records and I was covered in cat hair. <laughs> uh, when I walked away from looking through the records and I, I, you know, I probably won't go back. And, and yeah. I think those are the things that, that aren't thought of in some establishments. And I, and I think it's very true that you, you're very thoughtful in every, you know, every bit of what someone's experience with your, your store will be, what, you know, how, yeah. how they'll feel. I, I rue the day when I get so tired that I just can't keep up the standard. So I'll have to have some young Turk, you know, come in and be manager at that point. But that's an important thing to know too, is when you are, you know, you have to keep up standards. And if you don't, then, you know, you're, you're going to slide and uh, your business will slide with it. So know when, you know, you've got to set up fail safes to know when those things are going to be tripped. Mm -hmm. And our kids are already a fan of curiosities too, uh, you know, from the different events that you've done where it's like, oh, there's cotton candy or popcorn or whatever it might be that you have going. And yeah. so I think, you know, you also, you take into account not only the person who's shopping, but you take into account the families and the experience that mm -hmm. every member, member of that family will have, which I think will create a long, you know, just, just many generations of fans of curiosities. Yeah, that's right. I, there's, I, I think about that a lot. I mean, I, I don't, I think about it a lot that, that there's people, there's customers whose children came in in a, you know, in a stroller. And now those kids are walking up to the counter and buying a, you know, a hot wheel. And I think about them in 10, 20 years, you know, hopefully maybe curiosities will still be around, but I just want to, I think about them going, I remember that store that used to be, or I remember going into that one curiosity, that place was cool. And I think about those kids all the time. I think about them as, you know, when they, how they'll think about the store. 
um, because I think about stores like that. I think about places that I went as a kid and I thought about, oh, that was really cool. I remember that mm-hmm. pharmacy it had such a big selection of candy yeah. and I'd always go in there and spend my five cents on Jolly Ranchers. And, you know, mm-hmm. I just, that's the, the experience, that experience will live on. And um, even if people can't really put their finger on it, they have had an experience that they come back and seek again when they're like, you know, been cooped up for months on end. And with one of the first, I mean, this is not once, not twice, but and not just, I can count on my fingers, have people said, you know, this is the first place I've come back to uh, now that I'm out and out and shopping again, um, because we're a happy place for a lot of people. It's a place. That's such a great feeling, I bet. Yeah, they can forget about the world and stuff because they're in a time machine and mm-hmm. um, and so they get a good feel. And it's a safe environment, you know, it's very open in, in space and uh, very wide aisles and people feel comfortable there. Oh, it's great. You know, it's a great place to relive moments from your past. Yeah, absolutely. Like just the huge nostalgia that you get by picking up something that you had as a kid, you know, like mm-hmm. I have all my Mario stuff here. I'm a big yes. Super Mario fan. And and uh, you know, whenever I see Super Mario out in the wild, I just I just remember what it was like to be seven years old and playing my Nintendo, and and, yep. uh, and um, you know that that feeling is powerful. Yep, it's very powerful. It is, yeah. Uh, don't don't uh, don't toy with that feeling because uh, it's you know is is a very powerful one. It's anything that sparks that you know kind of endorphin uh, uh, joy is is you know. It's a good thing. I'm glad people get that feeling when they come into our store. Mm-hmm. Or feeling close to their family too. I think, you know, that's, that's another thing. We've all been cooped up and away from our family and you mm-hmm. can walk through and, and remember, you know, your, your dad or your grandparents or whoever it might be that it reminds you of. So. Um, yeah, And also really the too. experiential when you go in there with your kids and you go, Oh, that's a dial tone phone. That's what that does. Oh, yeah. you know, mm-hmm, how you just mm-hmm. make a phone call. Or, you know, uh, so many first dates are in my store where they're like just walking through something to do. Like, what do you think about that? Just, you know, just <clears throat> it's really interactive in a lot of mm-hmm. ways um, that a lot of retail isn't. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of reasons why people come to the store that aren't just about we need some end tables quick, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a different kind of experience. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Well, that's 10 minutes of bonus, uh, bonus podcast <laughs> content. <we've got>. <laughs> <laughs> Deleted scenes. <laughs> well, well, thanks again, guys. I really appreciate yes, it. it fun. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Thank you very much. Appreciate your time. And yeah. uh, when it comes out, we'll, we'll be sure to send you a note so that you know um, when it's live. Cool. Yeah. Give me a link too, so I can, you know, send people to it. Wonderful. Yeah, I, awesome. I love to send people to me talking. <laughs> well thank, i mean thank you for taking the time it, you know I, we we understand um, how precious that is so we appreciate it for sure yeah i just finally got into this space where i'm able to free up some time for myself to deal with you know to do things like the tda again and you know other uh business building rather than just building business you know survival sort of stuff yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i'm glad yeah. to be there we had our busiest month uh, ever last month so uh, or not last month March March was our busiest right. month ever yeah. and so that was um, you know atypical not something uh, you know I did not expect that but it's I think 
old uh, Diamond Joe's, uh, you know, government giveaways really helped us out. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we're in the same boat, you know, we're, we're kind of resurfacing after a crazy first quarter. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Cool. Well, love to work with you more in the future. Nicholas, we'll have a couple of conversations this month about TDA related things. Yeah. <laughs> Membership and promotions and all kinds of stuff. All fun stuff. Well, I look forward cool. to when the chamber can be back in your shop. So we'll, uh, we'll do that at some point too. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. One, one day we'll have networking in, in person again someday. I'll just sure. give you the keys to open up because I don't like getting up that early. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Um, take care, guys. All right. You too. If you liked what you heard today, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Share it with a friend. Follow us on the socials. At Edge One Media. At This Is Nicholas DeSalvo. Or at Megan DeSalvo. 